God is ever present. We thank you for your mercies, God. New every morning. We thank you for your grace that extends far beyond what we deserve. It reaches into what you've made available for us. A life of hope, a life of promise, a life of your glory. This morning we ask that we would have the boldness to step into that place. Not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus makes available. Lord, this morning as a faith community, we confess, we declare that all your promises are yes and amen. We look forward into your season of promise and we declare yes and amen. Yes and amen. We bless you this morning. We exalt you. And we thank you for the the work that you continue to do in our family. Precious, precious Lamb of God, we worship you this morning. Amen. 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 Well, welcome. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome. I I believe this is the last Sunday for Cape and Ray students. Is that right? So Cape and Ray students that are going home, why don't you just come up here? We'll pray for you. Come on. So these guys have uh, been doing a discipleship program at Cape and Ray, just uh, not far from here towards Cambridge. They've been worshipping well. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. This is unprepared. They're looking nervous. But, um, so we, we, uh, we love having you guys here. Even, even We haven't really had you do anything, but, but just your presence has really been a blessing for us. Kathy, why don't you come and stand here? Um, Ash as well. And um, some Cape and Ray people are staying. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, why don't you just join us as we bless these guys. They're traveling back home soonish, depending on their plans, but they're finishing their course of discipleship. We really want to bless them as they go. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these ones that have set aside the season of disciple, for discipleship. God, we as a family gather around them and bless them. God, as a family, we gather around them and honor them for the diligent, faithful posture that they have had this, this time at Cape and Ray. God, I declare over them a, a new season coming. I prophesy open doors into opportunities that you've prepared for them. Father, for, for those that are not sure what they're doing, Father, I, I, I proclaim a boldness in the spirit that they would step into the unknown knowing absolutely without a shadow of a doubt that you're with them. Father, I pray for the learning that has been sown into them to take root in their hearts and their spirit, that they would grow and mature as they spend time with you and allow Holy Spirit to nurture the word of God in their lives. Father, for the grace and the gifts that they carry, the ministry gifts, we pray blessing and fruitfulness over them as they go back uh, into a new environment or into a family environment, God, that they would, either way, they would be fruitful in partnership with you. God, we bless them. We send them with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being with us. Give them a round of applause. So hopefully all things going well 
next year we'll have a fresh batch of victims coming in and, and we can uh, journey with them as well. But, you know, I love it uh, when people set aside a season of their life for intentional focus and partnership with God and what he wants to do. So um, we honour you guys for doing that and we pray that you go well. So we're taking a couple of weeks, beginning of December, to speak about vision. We're talking about 2018 and beyond. Uh, So this is the second of two messages I'll refer to last week a little bit. But last week I did say, without vision, you die. That's biblical, Uh, you can look it up. But God's decided to create us in a way where we are... We are actually created in a way where we're supposed to seek his voice and his leadership in our lives. That's that's ultimately what vision is. We're to to look for it and then we're to pursue it. That's the life of discipleship, that we would pursue life in partnership with him. And so when I talk vision, that's what I mean. Seeking the heart of God, hearing his voice and pursuing those promises that he releases into our world. Uh, Last week I I said to you that there are two sides to vision. One is, where are we going? And the other side would be, how do we get there? And and so last week uh, we spoke a message on vision and we talked about the the pathway to our future, the the how do we get there. And um, it was a It was an interesting Sunday uh, on a number of levels, but uh, there was a lot of stuff that God was doing, if I could just say it that way. There was a a time of encounter, there was a, um, people were were receiving, I suppose, ministry as God spoke to them in the space that they're in. Uh, We've since had some follow-up happen during the week, and many people are, let's just say, on the journey, and that's really exciting. Uh, It's kind of... um, part of the way God, God works. If you, haven't, if you haven't heard that message or you want to grab it again, I would encourage you to, to pick it up on the app or um, access it via the website. Can, can anyone remember what passage of scripture we, we wandered through last Sunday? Hebrews chapter 12. That's right. Thanks, Lisa. That's very, very good. So, so last week we spoke about the, the how of the journey. This week we're going to speak about the where are we going. So we flipped it upside down. Um, we did how first, we do where are we going now. So the, t- the title of today's message is called Our Next Horizon, knowing that when you go on a journey, you get to see as far as the horizon usually. Sometimes, um, if we're bold enough or brave enough to climb Mount Kakapuku, you, on a clear day, you get up the top, you can see other mountaintops from there on a clear day. Climbing up in a mountain is kind of like going on a bit of a vision journey because you get to see further than you would when you're back on your normal environment. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so what we're doing today is we're climbing up the mountain, we're going to have a look across to the horizon to see where it is we might be going. Uh, typically, there are going to be some people here that may get a little overwhelmed with, oh my goodness, uh, what is he talking about? And, and, and that's okay, but what I'm asking you to do is to keep an open mind, an open heart, and to trust us when we say we've really been searching God as we develop vision and strategy for our church community. Uh, I, I guess for some of you, there's going to be kind of not enough information today. You're going to be itching to get going because you're the kind of person that instantly wants to get stuck in and, and help to make things happen. And that's really good. We need people like you. We need early adopters. We need people to throw their energy and effort in to be committed as we work out things as we go. Um, others are going to sit back and wait to see what happens. Now, that's okay. That's good for you. 
but that's not good for us. Because I, I think I've been pretty clear in speaking about purpose and vision is that for the message of God to go into all the world, it requires the people of God to be the message. So this is not about a few people that sit in the office here doing all the work. This is about us leading uh, everyone on a journey. But ultimately what I'm proposing at the start is you've got to decide. You've got to decide how the journey goes for you. You know, I, I hope you're, you're not going to be um, in that space where you say, well, you know, we've always done it this way. Because I can tell you that will wear out pretty quickly while you stay here and we carry on. I hope you're not going to be one of those people that say, well, you know, I just don't feel like I'm up for the journey. None of us are up for the journey except for what, except for what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, I, I hope for some of you that you, you have the courage to step out of what has been your past in expectation of what God's saying your future is. Because the past can become your biggest limiter. You know, for some of you, that's going to require you to actually cut ties with certain people in your world. It might be family. It might be friends. It might be your influences that are around you that are distracting you. And that sounds a little bit tough to say, but the truth is, if you don't cut those ties, you're staying there. And we're getting on the bus and going somewhere. You choose. And that's not a telling off. That's just what I see happen. You know, like I said the other week, choose your friends and I'll show you your future. You've got to decide what kind of journey you're going to go on. Now me, I get excited about vision because what it involves for me is spending time with God, searching through the, the prophetic promises and the words that he's given us as a church family, uh, some of them much, much earlier than my arrival here, and I, and I ask God, what are you saying in this moment? And in recent prayer meetings, as we've gathered for prayer around the future, God's been very clear, saying that breakthrough is imminent. He's saying, get the people ready for a new season. It's coming. It's near. It's, it's about to happen. And that means the people are going to break out into that new thing. And that's probably why there's so much going on in people's lives. That's why there's shaking in your life, because God's preparing you. That's why you're getting a little bit, um, you're feeling a little bit hurt because God's pruning you and that's never comfortable. Some of you might even feel like you're filled with fertilizer. Um, well, that's also preparation as well. God's preparing you for a new season. So last year uh, for Vision Sunday, I, I shared a few statements. So I just want to recap some of them because they're still relevant. Prophecy builds a platform for a revelation of vision. So we go back to what we know God has said, what we believe to be a, a rema word for this church, and we ask him to reveal what's on his heart for us in this season. So, so I spend time doing that and, and, and looking forward. What's also exciting, though, is we've been doing, well, I can say I've been doing quite a bit of prophetic ministry lately with people. And, and that's been exciting because through the Spirit of God, the voice of God turns up and people get this prophetic utterance over their life which releases a vision in their life. And even just this last week, I've had several encounters with people where God has this unlocked a whole lot of what if maybe that could look like quite exciting uh, for 2018 and beyond for them. It's always exciting when God breathes because new life is created. 
Second quote I want to share from last year's vision message is, a revelation, a revelation of vision is always followed by a journey. How many of you have had a prophetic word that you've been given that hasn't come to pass yet? Put your hand up high. Yeah, me too. Because there's a journey. There's a, a time frame. There's a, there's a work that God does. And that was the whole point of last week's message, was creating a space where you could recognize that it was God at work and then respond to him in order that he would be able to do his work in your life. The reality is journey takes time. So let's, um, we've got a little video for you to watch around taking a journey. So let's watch this video and then you might be able to relate to what's going on in the story. You can ask, are we there yet as many times as you like? We'll just see how that works out for you. But the truth is, uh, our future does require a journey. And, and so we're, we're on, 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 on a journey today. And what I want to do is I want to share the three R's of Jacob. I promised you last week I'd talk about Jacob and, and his life. So we'll talk about the three R's of Jacob. We're going to actually talk about specifically which way it is that we're heading. Today I have information for you on the mission of the church, the vision of the church, and three key strategies that we're going to be working on next year and beyond in order for us to make sure we get to the destination. But ultimately today for you is around receiving that information and then making a decision, making some choices around the role that you're going to play in that. And I hope that you do ask yourself those questions. What does this mean for me? Because that's where you'll get connected. I would say this though, as always, just be careful to ask God what he thinks when you're searching for answers. So you could be like... um, Donkey in the Shrek movie, I suppose you could turn up at church one day and make a whole lot of noise. That's okay, we have that happen all the time. But just choose how you're going to go on the journey. Because the good news is, when it comes to the journey, possession of a vision happens through community. Happens through family. Look around. Look around this room. There's a representation of our family here, and these are the people you're choosing to go on the journey with. This is... The, the group of people that are going to go along the path. 
mountaintops, rivers, valleys, dark times, good times, fun times, bad times. It's all going to happen through community. Some of you look a little green. That's okay. Some of you sound like a donkey. That's also okay. We're all family. Whatever happens, we're going to do it together. So what I want to do first is I just want to have a look at the first part of Jacob. Jacob in um, the book of Genesis, we're going to look at the three R's of Jacob. The first R of Jacob is Jacob has a revelation. And so what's happening in Genesis chapter 28? Let me give you some context. You can read the story for yourself. I'm going to refer to it this morning. But Jacob has got this um, a little bit of, I suppose it's an uncomfortable family situation. There's been a little bit of tension, understatement. There's been lots of tension in the family. And mum's trying to save his life. And so she says, hey, look, why don't you go away for a while? And she says, oh, why don't you find a wife while you're away? And so Jacob packs up a couple of things in a bag. And mum sends him off into the future. And he stays the night somewhere. And he has this prophetic dream. He has a revelation. So let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 28 and verse 13. We'll just read three verses out of this passage. Well, let's read from verse 12, actually. As he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. He saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said... I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you as your descendants. Your descendants will be numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, says God, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. This is an amazing encounter that Jacob has with the Lord and it, it, it locks in. It's one of those times where you just don't forget about I don't know if you've had any seasons or nights with God like this that are locked in. You'll remember them for eternity. This is one of those moments for Jacob. And listen to what God is saying in this passage. He's saying to Jacob, this land you're lying on, it belongs to you. Even though it's owned by another family and it's not part of currently the wealth of your father Isaac because he lives in a different place, he says to Jacob, this place here belongs to you and I'm going I'm to give it to you. There's a good promise from God. God also says, hey, single guy lying on a rock, even though you have no wife, you're going to have many descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Many, many descendants from the north to the south, from the east to the west. More than that, God says, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So here's the single guy lying with his head on a rock in the middle of the night, and God says, it's going to be awesome. Jacob has no idea that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, will be born through his descendants. But on this night, on this night, he gets a revelation and he receives from God this truth. And he takes hold of it. 
key point. If you're going to get a revelation, you should hang on to it. Write it down. Put it on a phone. Put it up in the cloud. I don't care, but put it somewhere where you're not going to lose it. I would say to you, though, if you've ever had an encounter like this, it's written on your heart. You don't need it written on paper or tattooed on skin. You need, it's in your heart. You're not going to forget stuff like this. It's going to transform your future and change your world. Jacob has a revelation. What does that mean for him? Well, it's a prophetic vision. It's a dream. It's a promise from God. I especially this week as I was reading this passage, just I lingered, if I could say it that way. We often linger in worship here and we, we just uh, enjoy hanging out with God. Well, I lingered on verse 15. What's more, God says, I'm with you and I'll protect you wherever you go. One day I'll bring you back to this land, says God. I will not leave you until I've finished giving you everything I have promised you. That's a good word right there. That's a good promise. God is saying to Jacob, I believe he's saying to us, if I could be that bold, he's saying, church family, I am with you. And church family, I'm not going to leave you until I've finished giving you everything I've promised you. That's a good promise we might want to hold on to. Isn't it interesting, the season that we're in, how many sleeps? Some 15 or more till Christmas, but guess one of the songs we're going to sing this season is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. God is not going to leave us. God is not going to let us down in the midst of this promise. This, is, this should be the most exciting part of the promise, that God gets to, chooses to stay with us. We shouldn't get distracted and get focused on the promise. We should focus on the one who makes the promise because he's the best part of the deal. So in all that we talk about with vision and and inspiration and excitement and activity, let us never, ever, ever get distracted where we take our eyes off the one who gives us the promise. Jacob doesn't. You watch his life and you see he's going to learn some things and we've got to remember that God is our portion, he is our strength, and he meets every single one of our deepest needs. So this dream, this prophetic moment in Jacob's life becomes a revelation that launches him into a journey. Because you've got to remember, when you get the prophetic vision that gives you a, a, a revelation, there's a journey that's required. And I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about where it is we're going and, and how we get there. So before we move on with Jacob, let's talk about North End Church. If I could get the ushers to hand out one of those cards to each family. I'm just going to give you a copy of this, this slide here and, and talk about what it is that is the mission of our church. This is something that God gave us last year. We published this last year, so it's not new. This is something that you've possibly seen before. Uh, I talked about it very recently in um, November night school. Everyone got to understand who we are as a church and why we exist. The mission of the church, North End Church, is activating community transformation. This is why we exist. So I urge you to take this card home as a family, to tuck it in your Bible, to put it on your fridge, to pray over it, to ask God to give you your personal revelation as you journey with us. This, this is our family mission. There are three parts to this mission, and I, I spoke about each of these last year. You can see them on the front of your card. 
Activating community transformation occurs through three core activities, church, social, and enterprise. Church, social, and enterprise. If you have a look at the back of the card, you'll see what I'm about to show on the screen. Church, we are called to make Jesus known. It's why we exist. As a church family, we're called and empowered to make Jesus known through relationship and service. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The second one you'll see on the back there is social. Our social activity in the community is a key aspect of how we represent Jesus to those who are not sitting with us today, to those that are not part of a church or those that are not connected with us in any way. I like to call this part here the long arm that reaches into the community but is still connected to the heart. We must generate hope. I mean, we carry the hope of the world, don't we? If we carry the hope of the world, are we supposed to keep it for ourselves? No, we're not. So we're going to reach into the community and, and we're supposed to generate this hope. We're charged to generate hope by lifting people above their circumstances and elevating their vision for life. So we have a rich heritage. We have a community trust here that has been established for 24 years. It's been in operation. It's a Christian trust governed by Christian trustees, and we offer a wide range of social services to the community, and that's expanding more and more as other people recognize they've got a part to play and they get on the bus. But they don't just get on the bus with empty hands. They bring what God's called them to do and ask if they can be part of it. And I'm really excited about the future of the social work that we do in our community. Understanding that it's always connected to the heart, which is who we are, and making Jesus known. The third area on the card you'll see there is enterprise. As a, the key there is kingdom citizens. As representatives of who God is, as people empowered and endowed with all the power and glory of God, we must release purpose. Release purpose in others. We've spent a lot of time at the end of the year talking about purpose. And, and I'm going to keep talking about purpose because remember the message is that for the message of God to go out, the people of God must go out. You are the message. What you do during the day may not be church-related, but it's still ministry. Your workplace is your ministry place. Your connections are the place of encounter. A few weeks ago, relating to this, I shared a picture, a revelation I talked about called the seven mountains of culture, and, and I started to unpack how every single person is called to a place in society to bring influence to that place in society. If you haven't listened to that message, it's called Go and Sow, if you want to find it on the app. A lot of churches miss this part of their calling. I spoke with a church leader this week, and, and he's all about getting people squashed inside the church. He didn't recognize that Jesus says, go and disciple the nations, not fit them all in your building. We just don't have room. We can't do that from here, but we can do it when you're out there. And so enterprise is about faithful activity to influence society where we live, where we work, where we operate. And we're going to do more on that next year. So this card that you have in front of you represents our mission 
It's why we exist. And as I speak about mission, I want you to listen for God's prompting to where you might fit in. What's your part to play? What's your piece of this picture? It doesn't matter where you spend your week, but it does matter what you do. We're all on mission for Jesus. Not every single person has to work in a church building for that. Good news is, here's something I wrote down this week, you are God's favorite. He's got a revelation for every single one of you. God is one of those dads where all his children are the favorites all of the time, and he's not just saying that, he really, really means it. And he's got a revelation for you. He's going to show you something. He's going to give you clues in order that you would understand how you fit into the picture he's building for our church community. Church, social, enterprise. So what I want to do today is I want to focus just today, I want to focus on church. We must make Jesus known. And from this statement, make Jesus known, is that's where our vision comes from. The vision is what's the next horizon look like? Where are we going on a journey? And so what I want to do today is I want to unpack what that vision is. Are you at all interested in hearing about what the vision is for the church? Some. Some of you are still nervous. Vision is one of those things that's out there, unknown, unquantifiable in some ways, and yet it should be aspirational. So as a church... Our vision is to reach a thousand people every week with the message of God's truth. Now, clearly, we're not going to fit them all in the building. That would just get a little bit hot and sticky and stuffy, and it's already like that. This might take us three years to get to, but what would it be like when we get there? What would it be like? Just stop and imagine, just put aside all those what ifs, buts, maybes and doubts and actually imagine what would it be like if we could touch a thousand people a week with God's truth, be it through scripture, be it through discipleship, be it through messages of hope or inspiration or a connection of love in practical ways. What would that be like? The bigger we are, the more influence we have. Now I'm not trying to build an empire because I'm not actually saying they're all part of our church. But we live in a world where there are no boundaries anymore. In fact, the only boundary is the stratosphere because we can't quite podcast to the moon yet. But we can reach anywhere we like. People can access messages from wherever they like. People can, like these students have come from the other side of the world to hang out in, in Cambridge to be discipled by Bible teachers. There's no limit to how we can influence the world from Tiawamudu. But what I'm trying to do is, is to get you at least open to the possibility that it's much, much bigger than what we have today. And that's what it should be like. So many different things that we could do if only we believe we might be able to. Three strategy, four strategies actually make up how we're going to do this. There's only three on the screen. I'll tell you the fourth one in a second. The first strategy is we're going to achieve this vision by gathering people together. It's called fellowship. It's how Jesus designed the kingdom family to live together, not in isolation, but through gathering together. Secondly, we're going to achieve this goal through media channels. Like I said, we can touch anybody anywhere in the world through the technology that's available to us today. And thirdly, we're going to achieve this vision 
by developing people. The fourth one I haven't put up there, I will tell you what it is though, the fourth one is leadership growth. Now I'm really excited about the people that God's gathering into that leadership circle that we have. I'm really excited about the people who are putting up their hands saying, hey, I want to be part of this, how can I get close to it, how can I do my piece and how can I be an influence in the, in the community. I'm really excited about the formation of a leadership team and the, the work that we're investing into developing them. It's really exciting. We've got you know, an eldership that's forming and strengthening in order that we would support all of us in the journey. And there's more to come. But unless we grow the leadership capability in our community, we're not going to get in the right direction. So... I spend quite a bit of time preparing messages and discipling people. But you have to understand, I also spend a considerable amount of time doing strategy and leadership and development and people stuff. Because all of that's necessary for us to go on this journey. And I'm absolutely loving it. I've given you on the screen a short statement. I will make these slides available as usual through the podcast on the app so you can read them. But a short statement for each one. When it comes to gathering together, technology pauses to catch up with the vision. Here we go. Here's what this means. Gathering together means we will impact more people with the message of Jesus by expanding our local church gatherings. Now, I wonder what that looks like. No, I genuinely wonder what that looks like. But we kind of get to a plateau and then we don't grow. We don't develop any further. We don't expand any further. So uh, the honest truth is these are targets. These are ambitions. These are not, oh, like I've got 74 action points under each one. I really do wonder what that looks like. But Jesus says to us as a church, we need to impact more people with his message by expanding our local church gatherings. I wonder how that's going to work. When it comes to media channels, We're going to reach more people with kingdom culture through multiple media channels. There is no end to what we can do now. The whole point of us shifting our provider of our app for our church was that we went to one that was designed purposely for video media. Like it does audio and it does a calendar and you can get push notifications so you know when to turn up and you know we can um, we can put blog posts on there but actually the engine behind it was designed for video content. And they already provide us a whole heap on there for free. But there's so much more that we could be doing. We've got to have the right people on board. We've got to have the right technology on board. We've got to have the right strategy and pathway. But there is no end to us achieving our vision of reaching a 1,000 people every week with the message of God's truth if we partner with media. And thirdly and finally, this is my jam, Our goal in developing people is to train, empower, and mobilize effective apostolic disciples who walk in the love, power, and authority of God's kingdom. There's a few qualifiers on there. Train, empower, and mobilize means get up, get ready, and get going. Effective apostolic disciples means we've got people who are modeling Jesus Christ and moving in the same power that he did. Walking in love means love is the motivation for what we do. Walking in power means their world gets changed because we were a part of it. And authority means we get to release heaven as we go.
very intentional about what we're going to be doing and developing people. That's as much as i got for you today. But I can assure you that we're working on this, we're planning, we're, uh, we're developing strategy, we're building people, and we're going on a journey. This is the vision. This is what the next horizon looks like. I'll get the slides up on the podcast so you can have another look at them. But this is one of those healthy tensions between staying comfortable and moving forward. We're in that space. It's kind of like, you know, the week after Christmas when you think you might go on a diet? That's kind of what it is right now. (laughs) So we've had a revelation about our future. The question is, after Jacob had his revelation, I'd like to ask you, what about you? Where are you at? What is your revelation? What is your part of this? And I don't expect you to have the answer this morning, but I'd encourage you, I'd, I'd implore you to go on that journey, to start asking God those questions. What is the revelation that you'd whisper in my heart for this next season and how I can be part of this? And I pray that God speaks to you as you search for him. The first R of Jacob's story is the revelation. The second R is that Jacob has a wrestling match with a man one night, and it's significant for us. So revelation, wrestle. Let's look at Genesis 32. This is where we pick it up in the story. So Jacob's been away. I'd said before he went on a journey. Mummy sent him off to find a wife. Well, he was very successful in that because God blessed him, and now he's coming back again. So we missed that part of the story, but he's coming back again, and he's now got four wives, He's got 11 sons, and he's got a vast amount of wealth that he's bringing back from his family land to the new place that God has called him to. So that's where we pick up the story. He's returning to his homeland, the land that God promised him, and he's preparing himself. There's a little bit in here that I can't get into today for the time, but he's preparing to meet his brother Esau, and it's a point of tension. Because last time his brother saw him, he wanted to kill him. So right at this point, Jacob sends all his family over the river, the Jabbok River, and he has another sleep. Well, he tries to. doesn't go so well from this time. Look, Genesis 32, verse 24. Let's pick it up, and we'll read it to the end of the chapter. Jacob was all alone in the camp, and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip, and it wrenched out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go, for the dawn is breaking. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. What is your name, the man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you'll be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men, and you have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name, the man replied. And then he blessed Jacob there. That's what Jacob wanted. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means the face of God. For he says, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising as Jacob left Peniel, and he was limping because of the injury to his hip. We'll finish there. So Jacob has an encounter with God, and that leads to a struggle. Now, I said this to you last week. You must not always assume that when life gets tough that it's the devil's fault. Sometimes we're wrestling with God in the midst of a promise. So just because life is uncomfortable, don't you dare go giving the devil the credit for it. 
So there's this wrestling match, and in the middle of it, a whole lot of theology we won't get into, but he works out suddenly that he's wrestling God. He's like, oh, this is a bit different. And he's wrestling God, and, and there's a fight going on. And, and so I'm reading this, and I'm like, huh, I wonder what the purpose of this wrestling match was. Like, what's going on here? Well, it's, if you read the text, it's pretty obvious from Jacob's perspective what his objective was. He wants a blessing. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob works out this is no ordinary man, and yet he does what he always does. He fights hard to get what he wants. And if he doesn't get it, he fights harder. We've skipped a lot of his story, but go and read about what he did with his brother. Go and read about what he did with his uncle. Go and read what he did with his wives. He fights hard to get the blessing that he wants. He always will use his strength to obtain a prophetic favor. But you have to see something from a logical perspective. This was not a fight to see which man was stronger. Think about that logically. Jacob is fighting who? So which one's stronger? All right. So logically, this is not a fight to see who is stronger. So we've got to recognize that God's got another purpose in the wrestling match. And that's what we want to look at. God knows that Jacob always fights hard to get what he wants, the favor and the promise in his life. So he just doesn't let it happen. He won't let him go, and he won't bless him. He's like, the very thing you're fighting me for, I'm holding back because you've missed the point. Just let that sink in for some of you for a second. Until God removes our strength, we will not learn or experience about his power. Until God removes our strength, we will not learn about or experience His power. God's got to break off our self-dependence in order that we would cling to Him to receive the blessing that comes from Him. Something else in this passage is interesting. Look at verse 27. Jacob... Well, God asks Jacob a question. So this is God speaking. He says, hey, what's your name? The man asked. So again, let's think about this logically. Did you think that God forgot his name? Okay, so we can rule that out. So God's got a different purpose when he asked his name. Let's understand this. God often asks a question, but he's not looking for information. He's all-knowing. So when God asks you a question, sometimes you need to remember he's not looking for information. He hasn't forgotten. So let's think again. Well, what's God looking for? Well, God is not looking for a lie. Now, remember the last time that someone asked Jacob what his name was? It was his father, and he said, I'm Esau. And he stole a blessing of the firstborn. So God's not looking for information. God's not looking for a lie. What God's really looking for is a confession. 
When God asks Jacob, what is your name? He's looking for a confession. What does that mean for you? Until you acknowledge your name, you can't be healed. There's always a purpose in the season of your life. God is desiring to lead you to a place where you find healing and it won't come from your strength or your demands. It'll come from his grace. One expert says it this way, when you wrestle with God, you always lose. And when you lose, you win. Get your head around that. So what about you? Well, let me tell you about me. This year, I've had um, many, but I'll just refer to three key struggles this year. As I was reflecting on that this week, because I'm not wanting to teach you this unless it means something to me, so I've been reflecting on it, and God showed me, funnily enough, I just worked it out yesterday, that the three struggles I'm referring to actually are in line with the three objectives or strategies I just shared with you. And every single one of them I've had pushback. Every single one of them I've had failure. Every single one of them I've felt like I've got this massive bruise on my forehead from banging my head against the door trying to get it open. And God says to me, what's your name? And I'm like, I'm tired. I'm frustrated. God just wants a confession. Because the more effort I've been spending on these things, the more frustrated I get and the more failure I experience. And God's saying, son, it's not about your strength, it's about my provision. If you stop fighting, I'll bring the blessing to you. Oh, there we go, facepalm moment. Jacob is demanding the blessing that God's got for him and God says, stop fighting. And you'll see that I'll give it to you. What's your name? Is it, I am shaking? Is it, I am struggling? Is it, I'm sad or depressed? Is it, I am in doubt? Is it, I am in fear and anxious? Is your name, I am okay, I am sufficient? I am my own person? Is your name apathy? Is your name disconnected? Or in my case, is your name strong? Hashtag dad joke. Until you acknowledge your name, you will not be healed. It's the whole point of the wrestling match. Jacob has a revelation. Jacob wrestles with God. And finally, Jacob has a rebirth. Jacob realizes he can't fight for the blessing that God's got for him. He must receive it by faith. That's why that final song was so critical in today's um, gathering. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen. We receive them by faith. So in the rebirth, when Jacob finally gets it, God releases a new mantle for Jacob. Genesis 32 Verse 28, he says, Your name will no longer be Jacob. From now on, you will be called Israel, for you have fought with God and man, and you have won. To the Hebrew audience, a name reveals character. That's why there's so many names for Jehovah, because there's so many aspects to who God is. 
So in the Hebrew context, and God is releasing something here, he says, there's something about you that has shifted. You're no longer going to be the one who struggles and steals, who grasps at the heel to deny others. You will be called Israel because God prevails. God will prevail. Tomorrow, with a new name, this man will rise up, walk to his brother, and instead of beating him with strength, he will submit to him in love and be reconciled to his family because of God's grace, not his strength. God's got to break off every part of the self-dependence, self-reliance, strength that we bring to the table so that he can bless us as we cling to him. Perhaps, perhaps you also need a rebirth. Only what is born of the Spirit can possess the fullness of God's promise. Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You may remember it. It's a bit of a mind bender. But Jesus says, unless you are born again of water and of spirit, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. Only what is born in the Spirit can possess the fullness of God's promise. For some of you, there's a rebirth in the Spirit that's necessary for you to move into the promise. If that sounds too hard to do on your own, then I'm inviting you to come and get some help. There's one thing we love doing in this office, that's helping people die so they can be reborn again. That's a genuine invitation. It's a genuine invitation. Let's look at the outcomes of Jacob's rebirth. You can see them in Genesis 3 and 35. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read them, but Jacob and Esau make peace, and so therefore by the grace of God, there's reconciliation in his life. By God's grace, there will be reconciliation in your life when you let go. If you're needing reconciliation, then God's grace is sufficient for that. In Genesis 35, we read about the pathway that Jacob chooses, which is different than what was expected of him. Esau went back to the family land, and Jacob said, yeah, 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 nah, and he turned and went to a different place and built himself a house. And it was the place where God had promised him that he would bless him. And there, there he he gets this monument, and he anoints it with oil, and he says to his family, come and gather, let us worship God, for he has prevailed, and he is good in his promises. Jacob waits for God to release the promise. This has been a key point for me this week. Jacob waited for God to relieve the promise, and this is precisely what the Lord is teaching me at the moment. Not by strength, Phil, not by power, Phil, not you, mate, but by his spirit will we see God's blessings as a church. So as we close, I'd invite you to consider what your part is to play in this journey. You've got the cards to take home. You can get the slides and find the mission and the vision and the strategies. The horizon kind of always looks far off, but it seems to turn up pretty quick. And it's where we're going. As a church family, that's where we're heading. So as I close off my teaching for the year, I just want to leave you four thoughts. I want to give you four points that I hope have landed in your spirit this year by God's revelation. 
And the honest truth is, the sense that I have about the future is these four points are vital. Vital for you and vital for me. You should be anchored in covenant connection. I've had so many positive comments lately about the feeling of family we have here. Yesterday was a fantastic example. The working bee, watching different ones work together and doing different assignments and chores just like family would. It's fantastic. You're going to see that in action with Triawamudu. It's a buzz, man, doing this Triawamudu thing. We have six to 700 people last year come through this place from the community, and all we do is feed them a cup of tea, give them a biscuit, love on them, and then have, have a good time. It's, it's a heap of fun when I get to see my family doing that together. It seems now people tell me that if you miss one Sunday, you feel like you've missed a lifetime because God is releasing so much and building so much into us. So I hope this year you've fully realized the power of the principle of covenant connection that comes from God. It would be my desire that after this year that you'd be anchored in a revelation of the fullness of your salvation. Jesus came that you might be fully saved, fully healed, and fully delivered. That means completely set free. Complete freedom, nothing holding you back. Now, I recognize that's not reality for many, but it's what it's available. And we're going to keep making opportunities for people to step into that salvation and freedom that Jesus has made available. It's actually how you let go of the past. If you're really game on that, come and find me and I'll give you a book to read over the summer. I'll recommend a book for you to get. I guarantee it's going to open your eyes to the possibility and it will lead you through to freedom if you choose. Thirdly on the screen, you must have a belief, a belief in the promise of God. God is not a trickster. God doesn't hide things from us. Bill Johnson says he hides things for us to discover. Like a dad does in a birthday party. He wants to put things in a place where children will find them because his joy is in your delight when you discover them. Return like Jacob did to the place of revelation and worship him. When you do, you're going to see those doors open. Finally, I invite you to be engaged in purpose. As we move ahead as a faith community, and we are moving, you all are the message for this town. Revival will come, God says, through family. Family first and then family out there. That is his mandate for us. Each person activated, purposed, released into destiny, and effective for God's kingdom. We're going to be a church that equips, empowers, mobilizes people into their ministry. So take your place as God does some good things in this town. Let me pray. God, I pray today that what's been sown as seeds in faith will find fertile soil. You're the gardener, and you take care of our hearts if we let you. So God, I ask that the Holy Spirit would come and nurture the hearts, the garden of our hearts, that we would receive this seed, this truth, this revelation that has come from you. That we would receive the biblical principles that have come to change our lives and release us into a pathway together, collectively, as a family. God, I bless each and every family here that they would know the overwhelming love of God who pursues them, that they know the 
extravagant, never-ending grace of Jesus Christ who sets them free. And God, may we all know this season as we rest, the fullness of God with us in Holy Spirit. Lord, I bless them. I bless them. There's a real...